and welcome to another episode of the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor. This week marks the start of a four-part series Tim and I have put together that covers the evolving roles of content creators and internet personalities. These are individuals who have built mass followings over the years or have skyrocketed to success in just a matter of months on emerging platforms. Over the next four weeks, our guests will include YouTubers, TikTokers, Substackers, and podcasters, all of whom have cultivated companies, followings, and brand partnerships from the ground up. A lot of times these creators get labeled as influencers, but that's kind of a disservice to what they're doing, um, reducing them to you know Instagram thirst traps when really they're just a uh, kind of solo media company. Um, that's what a lot of them have evolved to over the years from the days when you had YouTube creators who were you know, filming with their webcams to now operating. Um, effectively, they're, they've become media moguls with uh, as they've branched out into other platforms, podcasts, merch, uh, skincare lines, clothing lines, the whole gamut. And so over the past couple decades, uh, creator industry has really evolved into a complex world of business that in many cases have turned personalities into brands and hobbies into self-run businesses. And to kick it off on today's episode, we start out with YouTubers Alicia Marie and Remy Cruz, who have done just that. So Tim, you took the conversation today, and I'm curious about how long Alicia and Remy have been on YouTube, if they are considered that kind of old school YouTuber crowd, or if they are um, newer to the platform, because I'm really wondering what they said about their experience in navigating the platform over the years. Yeah, they both go back on YouTube pretty far. Uh, Remy started her channel, I believe, in 2012. And then Alicia has been posting to YouTube since 2008. Um, Alicia's, in fact, been on YouTube for so long that she's gone through and purged a lot of her old videos. That's crazy to think that, you know, over a decade of being on YouTube, it's it's also crazy to think that YouTube has been around for a decade, I think. Uh, It still kind of feels like a, a newer... Um, entity. Um, But so they're not just YouTubers now, though, right? They've diversified their platforms. Um, Did they talk about how they manage their brand and their image um, across multiple channels? Yeah, so uh, they've you know, branched out to other platforms. Um, but a couple or a few years ago, they launched a podcast together. And so they've gotten into that. Um, and it was funny to hear them talk because uh, when we got into talking about the podcast, they uh, I think at one point it might have been Remy um, labeled, you know, called herself, uh, re- referred to herself as a podcaster in addition to being a YouTuber. And that just kind of speaks to how uh, these YouTube creators were really early in the diversification trend. I mean, at the time when um, a lot of digital media publishers were flocking to Facebook and making the pivot to video was when a lot of YouTube creators were diversifying to other platforms and to other revenue sources like merch, um, podcast, and events. And so by the time the publishers on Facebook realized that they couldn't depend on that platform, they ended up moving to YouTube where these YouTube stars continued to be, but also had really rounded themselves out with all these other revenue lines. Well, it sounds like there's a ton to unpack here. Um, I'm excited to listen to this interview as well. So I'll let you take it away. Sounds good. Thanks, Kayla. 
Alicia Marie, Remy Cruz, welcome to the Digiday Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. We're honored to be here. Absolutely. So you both have your own podcast. I want to talk about that, but you also, you do a lot. Remy, you have skincare line. Alicia, you also have clothing line. You have merch for the podcast. Uh, and then, of course, you also are creators on YouTube and other platforms. Um, and I kind of want to start with kind of that, the fact that you're in all of these different businesses. Like, how has your basically like your business has changed over the past year everything has changed over the past year so we don't have to talk about like well i'm really good at zoom these days but um <laughs> we'll go like alicia let's start with you we'll just go alphabetical order what's been the biggest adjustment you've had to make to your livelihood over the past year that like you've carried with you into this year as things are starting to get back to normal yeah, I think what's so interesting about this world is neither of us ever wanted to go in being entrepreneurs or even like the businesswoman we are today was never the goal or the mindset. It kind of just evolved slowly but surely. Both of us have been on the platform for so long. Um, I think I'm coming up on like 13 years. So it's been oh my God. so long <laughs> of just, you know, webcams and, and all of that stuff. And it's been really cool. But I think the main thing that kind of always comes back to me now with projects that I'm doing is just really thinking about the long-term goals here. You know, I love creating and being realistic about, okay, I'm not just going to make hauls or grocery hauls or, you know, room tour videos for my whole life. Like, what am I going to do when I'm 40? And I, I love the entertainment industry. I love all things about it. And yeah, I think just figuring out strengths that I have and really playing into those. And maybe they're a little different than what I anticipated or thought. Um, for instance, this podcast, um, pretty basic randomly kind of came about and we're so passionate about it. We love the creating. Um, we would love eventually to even have other talent, um, that we look out for and, and then stuff like that. And that's something we never would have known unless we had done a podcast ourselves. Um, so it's really interesting. I think just being open to evolve with the times is like my biggest thing ever. Remy, what about you? For me personally, actually the same week that we, the same day that we went into lockdown, I moved into this house. It's my first house that I bought, really exciting time. And I was obviously stuck here and had no choice to go anywhere. I really had to move in. Um, but it actually gave me a really good opportunity to hone in on something that I, I knew that I loved, but didn't even know how much I loved. And that's just kind of anything in the home space, anything in the lifestyle space. So that's cooking, decorating, organizing. And so that's pretty much all I had the ability to do. I had a whole blank canvas to do so. So for me over the past year, it's been great to realize what I love to do. And I feel like a lot of people were watching similarly at home. They're like, oh, she's organizing her bathroom. Why don't I do that as well? And I found a lot of success within that, obviously in views and everything. But then also just now I know kind of I have a better sense of what I want to do for the current time with my content. So that's kind of what I've discovered over the past year that was really helpful for me. And I imagine both of you saw pretty significant viewership increases and subscriber increases. Last. I feel like everyone I talked to who was in the digital video space, whether it was creator or publisher in like March, April, May of last year, was just like, people are watching all of my videos. They're watching videos from years ago. What was that like? And has that continued since then? Since last year? Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you seen like viewership ramped up in spring of last year and it's kind of stayed at that level or has it settled down to any degree? 
I kind of think it settled down. At least for me, it's me too, definitely yeah. settled down. I, I truly believe TikTok is the reason for that. There's just so many other platforms now for people to be entertained, um, which is so interesting. But yeah, the views definitely did go up. Interestingly enough, um, at least again for me personally, the AdSense, AdSense rate actually did go down. So even though I was getting twice as many views, it was pretty much cutting even to what I was making prior. But um, it, yeah, it definitely is. It's kind of changed a lot, I would say. I think before it, it used to be easy looking at your channel and expecting X amount of views averaged every single time you upload within a day, 1 million, like two days, 2 million. Like it was such a science. And now there's so many factors that go into it. So sometimes a video will go viral overnight. It's on the trending page. It's doing great. And then your next video can low key suck and or not suck, but it just won't get any views. And it doesn't mean the video sucks. It just means clearly something happened here. So it's just interesting now, even meeting new creators who have come into this space at that time to them, it's normal for a video to do well and not do well and do well. But to us, it was a really hard learning curve to detach yourself from that old way that it used to be and realize that your worth isn't in views. The video success is based on the overall tone and response of it versus just a number that is next to it. But it, it's really interesting how creators now don't really know. And that was only what, two years ago? Three yeah, years ago? It, it was definitely hard for both of us, more so you to realize that your validation doesn't come from the amount of people that are watching it or how a video performs because you used to have a video do like a million in a day correct it was so normal to be like okay in 24 hours this should have a million views yeah and then like okay two that's days, crazy. like that's, that's crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, but like then you know it starts going slowly but surely down and now it's it's so different to just take a step back and be like okay i'm gonna take a step back let this video do its thing let's come back in a year and then gauge it like why are we looking at just 24 hours. Like, why did we put that time limit thing? Totally. It's just, it's so crazy. So, I mean, you both have been on YouTube for a long time. You have a lot of videos on your channels, like with those ups and downs and viewership and kind of like that uh, battle with the algorithm. Have you seen like, how important does that library become? Have you seen people like really dive back into your old videos and that really help when it comes to, especially from a, a revenue perspective, like these are your livelihoods? That's a really good question. I've never thought about it like that. (laughs) I have two things that are going to be so hypocritical. The first answer is yes, there's definitely times where if I'm not uploading as much, I can definitely count on the AdSense and the revenue from past videos. Obviously it's, it's quite a bit lower, but there's still a substantial check there. Um, with that being said, I definitely privated like all of my old videos, um, like a month ago because I was just wanting a fresh start. And, after being on the platform for so long, I definitely wanted to, I don't know, this past few years has been a big like churning kind of year. That's what even I was talking to YouTube about it. And, you know, we're having a lot of subs, but we're also having a lot of unsubs. And the content I used to make is just not what I want new people to come finding my channel and subscribing for. So made that executive decision. I think I'm going to private all my old videos. Um, and the first, I even said that and all my fans are like, Whoa, like what about the money? And I was like, I know, I know, <laughs> but it's, it just wasn't worth it to me. Cause I was making a lot of kids content and now my content's for a lot, you know, girls, my age, girls, older college and up. And it's just, it was such a tug and pull of old viewers and new view. It was just, it was hard. So I, I did delete them. I didn't delete them. They're private. Okay. I personally, Remy, have you done a purge? I have not done a purge. I was going to say, you and I, we were always in like the same lifestyle realm, but we made different content, I would say. I made like, if I saw like Alicia was doing a video, we weren't even friends. If I saw her doing like a trending 
kids video and like there was a, a time where like a then versus now kind of situational um scripted video sketch video was really popular i do a few here and there but i feel like for every one i do you do like 10 or so I like that was your jam that was your jam sorry. i would milk it like but that's no good. other <laughs> but i think for me is i would do it like once in a blue moon just because i'm usually just very late to trends as a human being um so for me i think i would just kind of do whatever i felt i liked at the time so i was doing dance videos for a while cooking videos makeup videos just like such a broad range that i think if people i had like some story times that went did pretty well for a while but i feel like if you just look it's just like it's always been a mishmash so I just kind of I love it up about your channel because I feel like it gives you so the viewers so much of I don't know I I kind of regret not doing more of that really Mm -hmm. well thank you (laughs) um Alicia to your point around like kind of the audience your audience like growing with you but then also like they're still being younger viewers like I know in God, this feels like three years ago, but it was only like the fall of 2019 when YouTube announced the kids algorithm change and the monetization change. We were talking to a lot of creators, talent agents, managers who are all kind of like freak, mildly freaking out at that point and figuring out like, okay, what's this going to mean for monetization when January 2020 comes? Mm -hmm. Uh, Little did anyone know what March 2020 was going to (laughs) happen. It felt like that kids algorithm change kind of didn't have too much of an impact on folks. Did you either of you see any impact from that? No. Um luckily for me I wasn't doing as much like kids content then and even even then it wasn't like elementary school kids, which I think right. was more of that schooling um family vloggers. That was a big discussion about, you know, obviously they have their their babies and kids and their content. Um but for us no, we never had to hit the yes, this was made for kids. I was going to say, I remember when the option first came up, I looked at it and I was like, Am I mean, I? I guess I make I content I for like, kids. I like, I guess kids could like this. But then I remember once we had a talk, you were like, no, you, your content is not for kids. So you don't have to do that. I was like, oh, yeah. makes sense. But it took YouTube telling me too. They're like, no, 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 like you're fine. You can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it felt like everyone had to be talking to their YouTube reps to figure it out. Because uh, like some of the people I was talking to were just like, similarly, I'm not making content for kids, but my content's kind of for everyone. Like it's, you know, G-rated stuff that anyone can be watching or my audience like, you know, may have started watching me when they were 20 years old, but you know, I've been on the platform for 10 years and now these people are 30 and they have kids of their own and maybe they're Mm -hmm. watching with their kids. But yeah, it was weird. We even had a, another YouTuber, she's a friend and she was 17 at the time. And it was a big thing for her because she couldn't have comments on her videos because they were disabled because she was a minor, but she had already been an established vlogger. So it was really hard for her. Um, and I remember thinking that would be insane. <laughs> I can't imagine losing that. Like no comment. That, yeah. All the community, the whole community aspect. I can't imagine having nothing, no sounding board. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's super bizarre. Um, so I want to keep talking about YouTube, but I also want to talk about the fact that like being a YouTube creator is no longer just a matter of being a YouTube creator. There are, you know, some folks who are just like, I'm good. I'm able to make this living just on YouTube and I'm going to stick there. But I feel like it was like, what, 2014 when there was that trend of and all the talk about diversifying, you need to be on other platforms. You can't Mm -hmm. just be relying on AdSense. What was the moment for each of you in which you started thinking about, okay, what can I do beyond just YouTube? Well, (laughs) it was a lovely spring day and I knew I was stressed, which was normal. But then 
ended up going to lunch with my sister, which ended in me having a full on breakdown and realizing that I need to take a break from YouTube because I was totally burnt out, overworked, not sure what I wanted to do anymore because I thought I liked my content. But in reality, I was just chasing views and they were empty views. And it took in that moment when I realized, oh, I'm going to take a step back from this. I realized I had nothing to fall back on and all of the views and everything I'd worked for for 10 years literally meant nothing now because if the, if I was to come back, there's a huge chance I can't come back because at the time, not many creators have actually taken a successful break. A lot of people take a break and they come back, their audience isn't interested anymore and it's like self-sabotage basically. So knowing that that was a possibility, if I was to take a month or two off, what would I have? And I actually had nothing. All my friends had books, they had acting experience, they had everything you could imagine. And I was there with like a back to school series on my channel, like there was nothing. Um, so in that moment is when I realized I need to regroup here. I need to dive, like, ha- like just do so much more um, and not have all my eggs in one basket. This is probably such a bad answer, but I... <laughs> I'm a very like roll with the punches person. So I always knew, yeah, I don't really, this is so bad. And I sound so uneducated, but like, I don't really think about these things. I feel like a lot of times, um, just the opportunities, you know, pronounce themselves with the podcast. It was such a like random thing that happened to me. I did do the skincare line and that was a really good learning experience for me. I, Honestly, I don't do it anymore, but I, I learned so much. And um, I feel like just these opportunities come and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll do this. Oh, cool, I'll do this. But now I'm at a point now where I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like I could have been thinking five steps ahead. I just am not that kind of person. So it again, was also sorry. different then, though. Yeah, there was a shift. So. There was a huge shift of, oh, we are entrepreneurs and not just us, like creators as a whole. I, I, you know, you saw people coming out with with drinks or lines or music, TV shows. shows. And there definitely was this huge shift also with traditional Hollywood of accepting what, you know, this world is. And obviously there's like some acceptance, some not acceptance, some push and pull, you know, obviously totally understandable, but having so many, I think traditional talent coming over and starting YouTube channels was also a huge, like, Whoa, you can act like this. These worlds are like they're merging. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny because I remember when like Bethany Moto made it on Dancing with the Stars and that was like yes, a big moment or when Grace Helbig got her um, late night talk show and that was another big moment. And now you have Lily Singh hosting a late mm-hmm. night talk show on NBC. But then it's funny because then you get the TikTok stars now like Charlie D'Amelio or Addison Ray, where they're getting TV shows thrown at them or movies thrown at them and all these opportunities. And it's just like, man, it was only six, seven years ago when for YouTube creators, like it was really hard to get that stuff. Oh and now my it, God. it feels like each platform and the generations of stars that kind of come up on that next platform, it the previous platform creators kind of like paved the way for paved them. the way. Totally. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that on many levels. Um, but it's cool. It is cool to be some of the trailblazers for it, you know, to be talking to brands before they do big campaigns with influencers. Um, we've def- we've had so many brands like want to just talk to us or meet us at conventions or consulting situations. And they're just wanting to learn from us, which I think is a really unique and cool thing. Yeah, I used to be embarrassed this is even before the term influencer was a thing. I, I was so embarrassed that I was making videos. People would make fun of me. Um, but now my best friend's a kindergarten teacher. And, you know, when they do that little like, what do I want to be when I grow up? 
half the kids, more than half, are like, I want to be an influencer because now it's a cool thing to do. So when I heard that, I was like, interesting. What did you put when you were in kindergarten? Probably like a veterinarian or something. I put ice skater. Ice skater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were some ice skaters still today, just more so influencers. Right. Mine was Michael Jordan. Like I literally drew Chicago Bulls jersey, everything. Not me as a basketball player or anything. I wanted to just be Michael Jordan. I love it. Very commercial way too literally. Be like Mike. I love it. Um, Speaking of brand deals, like that's always been something of a complicated relationship for creators because you know brands kind of for a long time didn't really know how to work with creators. Okay, is this, am I just paying like a spokesperson to, is it like a celebrity spokesperson deal? Is it, I'm just paying this person to create an ad for me? Um, Are they going to follow like what it is that I want that ad to be? And then from a creator perspective, like, well, I'm not going to say things that I don't believe. I don't want to like, you know, annoy my audience or my fans by pitching this product that I don't really care about. Has that changed though like have has it gotten better is it still challenging um i will say there are for every campaign where the brand just doesn't really understand how to work with a creator and you know they have their strict guidelines and like talking points and you just feel so trapped um which you know used to happen a lot more frequently i'd say for every one of those now there's like 10 brands who just get it and they're like just talk about it, do whatever. Like we give you full creative freedom. And like those truly always perform the best. The ROI has to be the best, I'm sure. And also just viewers response is always like, wow, I'm going to try this. Like you totally convinced me. I didn't even know this was an ad versus the like, I love this water bottle. It's my favorite. I wake up every morning and drink and people are like, no, you don't. Like what, what are you talking about? So it's, it's definitely become a lot easier. And I feel like as time goes on and you know, whether it's people working at brands switch to other companies and teach those people or just brands in general start to understand more, it's becoming a lot easier. I genuinely think the best thing any brand could do is hire a Gen Z. Like hire someone who gets TikTok. My favorite ads lately have been freaking Taco Bell posted one that I had no idea was an actual sponsored ad on TikTok because it was one of the actual viral trends going on. And I was like, genius. Like, you know, (laughs) someone, you just get it. Like you have to make content for that platform versus just an ad. Like no, people do not care about ads anymore. So I think finding brands that are so dope and are willing to let you be creative and realize that you have a bond with your audience and they trust you so that they should trust you also in that, in delivering it. Um, I'm, and then obviously I'm sure there's been brands who have been screwed over by, um, working with different talent and stuff of all kinds. So I understand being scared of that and you're wanting that perfect pitch deck and brief and everything for the campaign. But in the end, our, our favorite deals are when they say, Hey, we love what you're doing. We understand what you're doing. What are you thinking for this video? We just want to be included. And that's like gold for us. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. And has the scope of like your brand deals expanded? Because I mean, in the past brand, would it come to you and been, hey, let's do something on YouTube. But now they can do something with you, like not only on YouTube, but other platforms, but they can also do, do things on podcasts like you each are your own media companies at this point with all these different arms. Are you finding that brands are trying to work with you across the different platforms or are they still largely coming with a particular, I just want to do something for pretty basic or I just want to do something on YouTube? 
I think I'm surprised with how much it hasn't been a full across the board thing, which again, I, I kind of get because you want to test out the waters. Um, we've definitely had a few deals that came through either for our YouTube channels and then converted over to Pretty Basic or vice versa, which is really cool. Um, or even, you know, brands always will be like, hey, we have a package deal, one YouTube video, a tweet, a TikTok, etc. But um, But yeah, I think there's, I'm surprised that there still hasn't been like, more of that across the board yeah I know we talked to one of our agents recently and they're like oh we're working on things to do with the podcast and that then syndicate over to Instagram which just makes more sense I feel Mm -hmm. like it creates the cohesion that would make sense um but I'm looking forward to hearing more of those things and just seeing it with other podcasters and YouTubers too referring to yourself as podcaster you've been at the podcast close to two and a half years at this point you've crossed the 50 million downloads part point last fall i imagine it's way beyond there how how has the podcast changed since you started it in late 2018 a lot um i mean both of us always joke about still how the podcast to us is just, it almost feels like a passion project or just like, it's always just us talking about whatever's going on in our lives. Well, in the beginning, it much, much more was just very personal. Um, and it's obviously we're always worrying about our normal brands as it is day to day. And then the podcast is something that we get to do to come together and just talk and just have girl time. Um, but it's definitely evolved over the years from being that girl time to now we're, you know, interviewing other people and having guests on and things like that. And it's become such so much more of a business. We now have like an office that we're turning into a whole studio space and just seeing brands and people in the industry just and uh, like our peers see that it went from us just like having best friend time to like this full blown business is really cool. Just the podcast space has changed so much too since then. I remember when we started it, we were like, oh, like not many people do podcasts. You know, it was like a very small knit um, platform. And now, I mean, it's so normal for so many influencers to have a podcast. So it was another instance of us feeling kind of like trailblazers. Um, But it was, it's just interesting. Even, you know, when we first started, like some of the ads that we would get were, it was like a very specific type of ad group. Does that like, I feel like now it wouldn't show like we, oh my God, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting way too excited over here. Um, Like, for instance, even working with um, some of the brands now that we've worked with on the podcast, we would have only dreamt of back then. And it's just cool seeing not only brands get on board, other creators get on board um, and seeing how much it's grown when we really were like, who's listening to this? Yeah, I remember the first episode we had a sponsor and we're like, oh, my God, someone believes in us us. and we were like oh we're so excited we recorded it in her closet with like blankets over our head we were like taking it so seriously but it's really cool to see what it's grown into and we always say that it's like our little baby and in the beginning a lot of people I think it's obviously just um, the root of it is our friendship and we were still such new friends that I think like even our our audiences, our separate audiences didn't understand like, why are these two random people starting a podcast together? But it's been so nice to see everyone, our like our viewers and our friends and everybody like see our friendship grow and blossom into not only just a stronger friendship, but a huge business. I think recording in a closet with a blanket over your head is the podcasting version of like recording your first YouTube video with your webcam on your Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with the podcast, like, a year ago when everything shut down, one of the questions a lot of people in like the podcasting space were kind of having is, are people still going to listen to podcasts like when they're not commuting anymore? Are podcasts going to have to get shorter? Also, like 
there's so many podcasts coming into the market for people to listen to in addition to watching stuff on YouTube or Netflix or, you know, TikTok. Um, you know, do podcasts need to change? Like at some point, are we going to hit a breaking point? Do they need to get shorter? Have you all like had to adjust your strategy with the podcast? Cause you don't, the podcast you do isn't super long. I think most of the episodes are around like the 40 minute mark, which is like a good yeah. sweet spot. But have you thought about like, okay, or how much time do people have for this? It's so interesting because as you know, us recording it myself, I, I had that same thought because I only listen to podcasts when I commute and clearly that stopped a lot last year. So I felt like I wasn't listening to that many podcasts. However, I was so shocked by people saying how your podcast is the one thing getting me through quarantine. Thank you so much. Please don't stop uploading. And never once saw a complaint about the time, like ever. Yeah, me either. I personally have actually listened to the most podcasts I ever have in quarantine just because I would be cleaning or doing something mundane and I'd just listen. And I was like, I am an active listener of like many podcasts every single day. So um, that never crossed my mind. But it is interesting that we we implemented guests at the top of 2020 for the first time we, we ever, for the, like, the entirety of our podcast. And so every single guest that we've had on except for one who's like one of our best friends has been a zoom recording so we're doing our first in-person guest this week with oh someone that we don't know that well and I'm so nervous because oh, I don't know how to so do good. it it's I don't know how so to good. do it so I'm excited to hear that but uh, yeah I haven't I didn't think about the um, length at all but I do know I personally love when podcasts are really long when I'm home doing something random so yeah <laughs> not to make this podcast super long but i feel like i can't let either of you go without talking about tiktok because i don't know that like anyone's allowed to talk to creators and not bring up tiktok these days (laughs) you're both on tiktok but i don't know how active you are on tiktok we both make a joke that we i mean i tweeted this and everyone was like i relate to this who's not an active tiktoker is like i was like oh i posted three tiktoks in a day see you guys in four months like that's just how i (laughs) I personally operate i I get obsessed with it and i get in this rhythm and even if i take a whole day and make six ten tiktoks i get so excited that i just post them all so soon like alicia you know yourself like only do one a week for a while, but then I just get too excited and then I post it. Um, so yes, we are on the app. Um, go follow us, but we definitely <laughs> don't post that much. Um, well, that really sold them. But I'm on. <laughs> I am on like eight hours a day, just act like yeah. all the time, just scrolling, 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 scrolling. So um, I don't know why I don't do more. I think it's what's so funny is it seems so daunting to me. It's like a, it looks like a lot of work when it's really not. You know, what I think thinking back to any time we would travel, be at an event, whatever, even our day to day like vlogging work lives, getting a video on my phone is the last one. Like in my head, I'm like Instagram story, photo vlog camera, main channel camera, like the thought of a video on my phone is so foreign. And now I'm trying to make it more of a, oh, I just need to get more videos in my phone because then you can repurpose it on different platforms. But if I film it in the TikTok app, then I can't put it on. Re- like, I think it's, I'm just right. not in that headspace. Also, I don't know about you, but I, and I've talked to other YouTube creators who, um, none of us know how to work the app. Do you work in do you do the app? <laughs> I don't know how to do it. It took me a long time. And TK, my producer, had to help me. (laughs) I I fully record my TikToks on my phone and then put it into Final Cut and change the ratio to fit a phone. Yes, I do. And like all my other, other than you, YouTube creators do the same thing. We're like, we just can't, we can't figure it out. So that's definitely setting me back a bit as well too. 
I will. Well, but say, then it's advantageous because like Instagram made the change where if you're if if they see that TikTok watermark and you're real, that's not gonna. It's not exactly. making it explore. I think is what they that change was. But it's funny because people just found a way. Like people are now creating watermark removing apps and things like that because people are like, I'm not gonna do the work two times i'll just remove the app or remove the watermark in an app and then repurpose the content i know once twitter came out with their fleets that's when i was like okay guys you have to to let us repurpose stuff because like i can't have a dedicated day for my my fleets (laughs) you're not i am every thursday does it feel like tiktok kind of owns that format or is it something where there's real momentum behind Instagram reels. And, and I mean, Snapchat's had a pretty good year and Spotlight seems to be doing pretty well. I think they started something that was much needed and wanted in the community. Even Vine, I mean, that was such a an era and people have just been longing for short form content for a long time. Um, but yeah, I definitely, and you know, even YouTube coming out with their... Um, there's story, stories. Shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Shorts. Yeah. But see, same thing. There's too many things. I personally, I remember when stories came out on Instagram, I was so into Snapchat and I was like, ew, I would never use stories. Then I completely ditched Snapchat and only used stories. So when I first heard the YouTube, the Reels versions or whatever, I can't keep up with anything. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, this is not going to work. But I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll be only using Reels. I've been using Reels and I've seen a lot of success for growth. Yeah. And again, being on the platform for so long, um right now I'm I'm definitely like cutting even with like unsubs and subs back to that like churning kind of stuff and I have seen better engagement with reels but then I'm like dang it now I need to film more reels I know I went to my little feed and I was like oh my god what is happening like I haven't seen that on Instagram in so long also I think for us because our channels really grew in that era of the perfect blogger world it's it's just it was harder for us to get on board with the, oh my God, I just have to record myself. And like, there's no filters. There's no, like, I mean, there's filters, but it's just so different versus like, oh my God, I'm on a beach and my hair's perfect and whatever. (laughs) Um, thank God that is done because that was exhausting. I'm sure it was, it was hard for other people to, it was hard for us to make and hard for other people to watch. (laughs) I'm sure. Overall bad. (laughs) What about IGTV? Where do things stand there? I... I like watching people's actually. I've made a couple. I definitely, I think I just get so overwhelmed with having so many options that then I just watch TikToks and that's about all I'll do. But I personally do enjoy it. Um, and I definitely want to make more. I like the idea of having like different series, like reoccurring series and things. Um, again, like in that lifestyle home space, I feel like that's what I need to start making more of. Yeah. I think I'm to the point where I see the benefit of IGTV, but I would probably just have to hire out people to make shorter form videos of my YouTube videos to then repurpose. Because again, I'm like, okay, there's, there's plenty of content we're creating, but something like IGTV, I see it being a shortened version or a shortened series has like subtitles, very like, like the Facebooky videos, you know what I mean? Like something very quick watch type thing. But I feel like I just, I'm, I'm not even... Do you I ever can't. get nervous like repurposing a video in so many ways though that it'll like people would have a negative reaction because I personally think that. I don't my think stuff. so. Interesting. I think just like the best of the best 
kind of like moment. I in my head, everybody that follows me on YouTube, follows or, me on Instagram, follows me on Twitter. So like I'm been, like, they've seen it. Have you been liking the like day in my life vlogs that people are doing on TikTok? Yes. Like something like that. It's like we already vlog, but doing like bits is like so interesting. Uh, so like something like that could be cool. Sorry, I was having right. a full conversation. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like Jesse Driftwood. Um, he like did that on Instagram stories. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. I remember like that's thing. right. But then he talked about how Instagram didn't like that he was doing that with Instagram stories. Oh, uh, really? they wanted it on Reels. Yeah, he was on a podcast with Peter McKinnon and Matty Hapoya a year or two ago, maybe since then. Um, but he talked about like, you know, he or his people kind of reached out to Instagram and was just like, hey, check out what I'm doing with stories. Cause this was when stories like first launched yeah, and he was I basically doing this, like yeah. highly produced vlogs. Oh my God. On stories, like basically like Casey Neistat type stuff, but on wow. Instagram stories and Instagram is like, that's not what this is for. <laughs> yeah. I feel like stories is, is definitely more of a promote this like quick, whatever. And then the reels is more of, you know, obviously their answer to TikTok and I don't know. But yeah, there's so much. Yeah. You know, we'll have to have you both on in like a year to see, okay, what's the <laughs> new thing now? We love reels. I, I will <laughs> say what, what is interesting is having talked to a handful of TikTokers, a lot of them, their end goal is YouTube. So I think as much as I can get discouraged being like, oh my God, I, now I need to do TikTok or whatever. Um, obviously for many different reasons. One, it's so easy to have a million followers there and it doesn't mean as much. Um, and then two, even just like monetization wise, it's just a lot harder to actually do a lot with that. So it's been interesting talking to some of them, um, and even just hearing how they want to do YouTube. Cause yeah. to, to us, we're like, Oh, like we do that. That's our bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's all we know how to, that's mostly what we know how to do. I think also seeing like whether we're in the YouTube space, or the TikTok space, like you and I and YouTube have always been very consistent. Obviously we had to grow at one point, but like it's always been consistent for us. And I think seeing, um, other YouTubers blow up overnight or TikTokers blow up overnight, come over to YouTube. Like they have, I can't imagine the pressure. We talked to Emma Chamberlain too about this. It's like the amount of pressure that comes with keeping that up. I can't even imagine. So I honestly am very grateful that I feel like I'm, it's always very constant for me. Um, and I don't feel as much pressure personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're going to have a TikTok creator on an upcoming episode. And that's one of the things I'm most excited to talk with her about yeah. is just, okay. TikTok's great, but TikTok, you can do brand deals, but there's no, it, it doesn't have the YouTube monetization platform you know, program. And yeah. that's always been the issue with any of these other platforms is they haven't solved that monetization question for creators and kind of acknowledge like, oh, this is a livelihood for people. No, oh, completely. Yeah. I'll go to like random brand trips and most of the girls there are just solely Instagram and they're always like, how do you make YouTube videos? Like I tried, I just don't know how. And I'm always like, I don't know. I just like, that was the first thing I ever did. I fell in love with YouTube when I was in like middle school. So like, it's just all I've ever wanted to do. So it's so funny to hear them be like, I just can't do it. I don't know how to. I'm like, I'm, I'm it sorry. It is very intimidating because everything now is in one app. Like TikTok, you film an app, you edit it, you put it up. But like to film and the camera and then Quality, editing yeah. and then exporting and I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because then YouTube, you start talking about color grading and all yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a filter. Exactly. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. Alicia Marie, Remy Cruz, appreciate you both taking the time. Thank of you course. for having thank us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. And we'll be back next week with another episode.